0: Summoned through the dimension of sound, people explore the musical world which they believe to be true. But there is a world, unheard by some, that is filled with stories of an unknown reality, a jazz side.
1: Episode 8 of Tales from the Jazz Side is with singer-songwriter Jua Howard. This is another first episode. Now this time I'm talking with a musician that I've never worked with and I don't know extremely well, so it's not one of those, you know, this is one of my friends from you know, 112 years ago. Now, um... I met this young man a few years back at Jazz Connect's annual conference, which was held in Manhattan. Um, and we started up a conversation, and I discovered that uh, he was a vocalist and a songwriter. And for a few hours, we just sat and talked about the ins and outs of the business. You know, we briefly talked about the frustrations of being a singer and working with musicians teaching, booking gigs, promoting those gigs, promoting CDs, you know, all the usual music business stuff, um, which is by the way, what this conference, um, is basically about the industry. And at the time I had finally committed to doing the podcast and I was preparing to launch the first show, which would be a few months later in June in connection with my 20 year anniversary with playing with the Michael Franks band. Uh, and I exchanged numbers and I told him that, you know, once I got the show off the ground, I would love to interview him. And since the show I had to remember is have podcasts will travel. And I also knew that at the time he lived in Raleigh, North Carolina. I really didn't know when I would be in that area. Um, you know, or if I ever would be, but you know, you never know. And of course, a couple of times he was in, uh, New York city visiting, but for only a limited amount of time. So our schedules didn't allow for us to connect. So finally, um, I think a year passed and, uh, Jua, uh, was in the big apple finishing up this new CD of his. And he emailed me to let me know that he would be in the city. And so from there we arranged to record and that brings us to the show today. Now, I knew of Jiwa's music, but only from recordings. I had never really had a chance to hear him live. And I had the fortuitous opportunity to hear him perform live at an event held just recently at BAM, which is the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Um, He was there as part of the Onaji Allen Gums group, New Vintage. In the small amount of time that I've known Jiwa, I've noticed a few things. Uh, First of all, in addition to his wonderful vocal ability and, you know, this exciting and sincere rapport he has with an audience when he's telling his story, um, I noticed that he's also a very determined and very focused artist who is consistently working on ways in which to strengthen, you know, his singing and his musicianship. And he has an adherence to improving the musical exchange between the people that he performs with. Um, And that's really nice to see. On my show, I tend to really have, uh, I'm drawn to guests that have this ability to really connect. And that's one of the things that I really admire in artists. Um, And lastly, the thing that I notice uh, is that he's a very, very nice and kind person and that's always a pleasure to meet people in the industry who are humble and are very generous with their time and their knowledge and um, so I just feel it was really uh, I I really had a great time basically uh, in interviewing him and I'm glad that he decided to do the show. So if you want to find out more about Mr. Jiwa Howard You can uh, do so by visiting his website, which is www.juasmusic.com. And he has a Facebook account and a Twitter account. And he also has an informative tweet chat that he does, I think it's once a month. Um, Join me on Tales from the Jazz Side with my guest, Jua Howard. My guest today is vocalist Jua Howard.
2: Hello, Mr. Howard. How are you doing today, Veronica?
1: Now, thank you so much for being a guest on Tales from the Jazz Side.
2: It is my true pleasure. I think, you know, when you first mentioned it to me, I was I was excited even before I knew I was going to be a guest. So when you asked me, I was like done deal just let me know when (laughs) I'll be there
1: (laughs) well I appreciate you taking the time out and you know stopping by and doing this it's really really great to have you here now I feel like this must be my period of not being able to pronounce people's names correctly Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) last month's episode my friend Debbie uh, and I've always had difficulty you know pronouncing her name Uh, you hear me saying her name like wrong at least five times in the show. No um, problem. Uh, but at least I'm consistent. There you, you know? <laughs> go. Hey, you, uh, you commit to it. <laughs> I'm committed to it. Um, but she talked about the meaning of her name. So mm-hmm. now what's the story around your name? Did your parents have a specific reason for giving you that name?
2: Sure. Um, uh, actually, my mother picked Jua from a, an African Proverbs book. And it, uh, Jua means a son in Swahili. Oh, okay. And so um, when she told me, you know, she was, you know, clearly pregnant with me and she was trying to think of a name that she thought would be fitting, um, you know, she was going through this African Proverbs book and, and basically saw the name and she was like, that's it. Wow. Um, so um, I think it's fitting, you know, a lot of yeah. people asked me about it and I was, you know, it's like, oh, the sun, S-O-N or S-U-N. And mm. I'm no no, S-U-N, look up that one, you know. Oh, okay. So you know, and over the years, you know, like I said, I think it's a fitting name. I think it helps people remember it. Yes. Um How do you pronounce it again? Juwa. Juwa. Juwa.
1: See, I pronounced it wrong.
2: No, you were you were close enough. But I mean, you know, <laughs> most people do Hua. Right. Or um a lot of people, you know, they'll pronounce it like it's some, you know, Spanish. So it's like Hua, they'll do Hua. Uh-huh. And then I and then some people like to be creative and they like to add it in an and say Juan. Oh, okay. as if I don't know how to spell my name. <laughs> <Right>. So, um, <laughs> so I said, no, it's Chua. Um, and when I was younger, teachers would mispronounce it a couple of times. We'd have to have a conversation. It's just Juas, three letters. Uh-huh. Um, I think some people like to make it sing songy. So yeah. like, Jua. Uh, it's yes. it's Jua. It's just Jua. It's real simple. So. Wow, what mm-hmm. a great name. Thank uh, you.
1: You know, you are my first guest on the show that I've actually never worked with. Mm. Uh, but I did have a chance to hear you sing live uh, last week at the cafe live bam cafe live at yes. brooklyn uh, mm-hmm. academy of music as part of a uh, naji allen gums uh new vintage yes uh you know that the it i really enjoyed the show it was very exciting and there were so many talented yes. musicians and Definitely. singers and poets Definitely. and there's a dancer and of course uh, it was truly pleasurable oh. to see and hear you for the Thank first so time. I and I've, I, I wanted that. to do that. Thank you. Uh, now, how did you hook that gig with Onaje uh, and New Vintage?
2: Sure, good question. Uh, I've met Onaje several years ago. See, I even actually. said his name wrong. Yeah, I met Onaje <laughs> several years ago. Um, and this is the power of the internet, uh, how I met Onaje. I think most people know Onaje know him for different things and when i i knew of his name before he and i ever met i knew him more from an arranging um production standpoint um definitely was an arranging work with phyllis hyman and artists of that caliber um so i was familiar with him from that angle so myspace was the hot thing at that point um <laughs> I had my myspace page and there's a um wonderful wonderful uh, woman out of philadelphia who's married to uh uh, legendary um, DJ in the area, Sunshine Brown, mm. and so she actually had one of my songs from my first album, song "Dream," as like her title track on her on her page.
0: Oh, okay. And I had no
2: clue. You know, I'm wow. going through stuff, and I was like, okay. And you know, sh- people she has on her page are like, you know, Howard Hewitt and Peebo Bryson, and mm-hmm. you know, some serious serious heavyweights. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked on, I was like, oh, oh, I'm on there. That's that's a blessing. That's that's what's up. Okay, you got my song playing. <laughs> awesome. So, Onaje actually w- was Facebook ma- MySpace friends with her and he heard my music and he was trying to figure out in relation to all the other more well-established artists, you know, who is that and whose voice is that. Mm-hmm. So through that he contacted me through MySpace and so okay. we started building a friendship through through Sunshine Brown's page. Wow. And so through that we just over the years we, you know, talked talk about music. Um, he was always and always has been very motivating and very inspirational to me as far as what it means to be an artist, mm-hmm. um, owning your talent mm-hmm. um, and really helping me have a lot more faith in my talent and, and understanding what it is because mm-hmm. um, there's been a lot of times where I'm just like, I'm through with this. I don't want to do this. Um, and, you know, And he's always like, but stay with it, brother. Stay with it. You know mm-hmm. you have a gift that is meant to be shared it has a healing quality, mm-hmm. so you 're meant to share that so throughout the years we 've just built that friendship and built a mentor mentee type of relationship uh, I call him unc uncle uh, <laughs> Najee, which a lot of us do. you right, know he has a tight relationship with the community um, and so through that um, when he came up with this new group, mm-hmm. um, and I saw um, when it started uh, he started gigging, and I was like man if i'm ever in new york when you're doing that mm-hmm. i want to be a part of that wow. and so time it just kind of clicked um when i was going to be here for an extended stay so when i saw he was doing the gig i was like you know i want to do that right oh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. he was like all right let's 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 make it happen okay. so he brought me on in with these phenomenal artists yes, you know like yes. you said you know who are everyone from you know teenagers to people in their 70s i mean yes. just profound artists who for me it just helps you know, just to be a part of that. Like I told people, even if I didn't open my mouth and sing that night, right. I, was, I, was, I was good to go. Right, you know, I right, just, right. that was just an extra benefit right, that I got to right. sing with, the, with these individuals. Um, and then what happened was wonderful is that Onaji produced my upcoming album. And so we picked a song from the album. That's one of his originals that he wrote like 20 years ago that's never been recorded. Ah. And so the song that we did, uh, Maybe You Met Your Match, we did for that show. Ah, so really, okay. the first time this has been done live, so that was wow, a good
1: mm-hmm. wow. Well, you did an excellent job. Thank you, you know? so much. Like sometimes, you know, I get like really nervous. You know, um, you, you know, you hear someone's album or recording, mm-hmm. you know, and then you go to see them play, mm-hmm. and then in person, and then you just kind of <laughs> like, oh,
0: okay. <laughs>
1: Um, you mentioned something about you know, and actually, when we met, we met at the Jazz Connect, yes, and one of the things exactly. we were talking about, we had a conversation around performance mm-hmm. and and performing and the mentor uh, uh, type of situation. Yes. Um, so that's really really interesting. Now, in reading some of your background. Mm-hmm. Um, You've been identified uh, a couple of years back with the Neo Soul. Sure. Uh, and you made a name for yourself mm-hmm. in that circle. Sure. And, and although you haven't really you know, tossed it to the <laughs> wayside right. yet, right. it's still part of it, you took an interesting curve and mm-hmm. you kind of ventured into this jazz vocal yes. arena. Yes. Um, now, from some of the stuff that I read in the background, you quit your 9 to 5 mm-hmm. uh, and you left Chicago. And mm-hmm. that's where you were born, right? I was
2: born in Chicago. I've lived all over the nation. So well, it, it's, been a, it's been a <laughs> long history. I've been a, a vagabond. I've been in movement. So. <laughs> so, right. so it's been a lot of locations between Chicago and where I am now. So, you know, it started, I'm originally from Chicago. Okay. Um, but when I was probably like 10 or 11, actually, my mother and I moved to Alabama. And so I spent several ah, years in Alabama through that's where high that school. Southern accent, exactly. Comes from. So when you hear me talk a little country <laughs> and uh, over the, over there and all that, you know that's that's from a little Not southern. There. Uh, exactly down down yonder. You know, <laughs> I've never used that. One. Let me stop. But uh, so um, went through high school in Alabama, and then I ended up going to college in Atlanta. Okay. And after I graduated from college, my mother had moved back home to Chicago, so I moved back to Chicago. Okay. And then from there, I went to DC lived in D.C. for about 8 years okay. and then from D.C. I was in D.C. when I released my debut album and when I was more so in, really identified I think more so with the neo soul movement um, and then from D.C. I moved to San Francisco Bay Area and lived there for some years. That is really where I got into the jazz per se thing and oh, really started okay. to really identify my sound and where I'm going with this thing within the jazz arena. The Bay Area really gave that to me and that's one of the reasons i, I, I love when i go back there really is like a a really um another home for me to this day because they really the bear really um allows artists to have a chance to really help identify their voice and really have a, a training ground mm-hmm. where they're not forcing you to conform to this or that or you have to sound like this you have to sound like that they take you as you are you know and the jazz community specifically out there is very supportive I feel Mm -hmm. you know so I was in school when I went out there with the jazz school in Berkeley Mm -hmm. and so with that and being around the vocalists and teachers and other musicians who are really amazing you know you have this time to really just kind of experiment you know that sounds right right, that don't sound right that Mm -hmm. doesn't that doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. um and so through that I was able to really kind of Once again, get into the jazz world and really kind of get my feet wet within this to say, this feels right. Right, So this is where I'm going now. And then once, and from California, I ended up coming back to the East Coast, where um, to Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, So now I'm between there and New York. So, that's my long story <laughs> of movement. No, no, that's great. <laughs> now, uh
1: let's let's go let's like move back to uh the part of Berkeley where you went to the Jazz School Institute and you were the first recipient of this Mark Murphy Vocal Jazz Scholarship. Yes. Um yes. now what that t- tell us something about that a little sure. bit.
2: Sure. Um when I first went to uh The Bay Area. they just the jazz school had been in existence already as a community based school. So that was a beautiful part of that and that is the beautiful part about the jazz school because you have a lot of working adults who can take classes in the evening. Mm -hmm. Um, whether they want to learn how to play the bass or they want to do a funk class Mm -hmm. or they are um brand new singers and they just wanna get a sense of, you know, um, how to better control their voice, how to put together a, a basic chart, things of that nature. Oh, so interesting, the interesting. community class um, really had been existing for quite some time, um, but at that point they had um, Susan Musarella, who was the director of the school, said, you know, let's do a degree program. Okay. And so for me at that time, I think getting a degree in music at that point in my brain was. Like my way of validating my talent, right, I said if right, I get a degree right, in music, right. I can go and get a job. And people are like, oh, you got a degree in music? Right. Oh, you're doing something, you know. not I could have sounded like you know a frog, and I would right, be like, right. you know, <laughs> but I have a music degree, so right, right, right. In my brain, that was something that was important to me that I had to try out. So when I went to the school, I was one of the inaugural your students, oh. um, which was a which it's to this day is still a, a big honor for me. Okay. um and so it was. a uh, maybe seven or eight of us vocalists in addition to the to the instrumentalists at the school okay. and through so the first year we went around and so they created this uh, Mark Murphy Vocal Scholarship you know and most people who are familiar with Mark Murphy who I, I feel is really um, just a, a legend with the oh, jazz yeah. vocal realm I really yeah. feel like he's a one and only yes um, and he yes. spent quite a bit of time for, for, for several years out in the Bay Area and he really was a mentor to a lot of vocalists in the Bay Area who are still out there nowadays. So like the vocal director of the program, Laurie Antonioli was one of his mentees. And so he, her and yeah, Kitty Margulis. And I think Madeline Eastman, a lot of them work with him as young artists Mm -hmm. when he was there. And so he had such a, an effect on these, on these vocalists and helped them in their own creativity based on his innovations really vocally. And so with that, Laurie named the scholarship after Mark, Um, So to give him something back for what he had done for all the vocalists within the Bay Area. So that's how the vocal scholarship came to be. And so the first year when they announced it, um, I think it was like our fall end of the semester um, performance. And they said, oh, they had talked about it and we picked our first recipient and they (laughs) said my name. And I was like... (laughs) What you know, I, I, Veronica, I was I was standing there like a deer in the headlights. I was like, they didn't just say my name, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, and I was, I mean, because I was like, oh, who's going to get it? I was ready to support whoever right. and be like, oh, that's right. awesome. But it never crossed my mind that I would be selected as such. And wow. and you know, it was, it had a lot of effects on me. I think at that point because it really. Validated my move to the Bay Area and why I chose to go to school at that point, yeah. and let me know that I was on the right track. Right, and right. a big part of that was for whoever receives a scholarship is that you have this promise of being, you know, the next, you know, having this ongoing artistry and becoming an artist in your own right, um, which is really what Mark Murphy has done. Right, and so right. thinking of it in that way, mm-hmm. that really solidified. You know my decision to become a jazz musician, jazz vocalist. Like, okay, this is it. You know, okay. I, I've done something right. So, um, so that the scholarship really to this day is one of, the, I would say, definitely is one of my proudest moments. Okay. Um, just because it really did so much for me, and I think any time that, from a vocal standpoint, or really anything that you can have your name attached to something, I feel yes. with Mark yes, is sure. is a huge honor. Right. Um, and 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 one of the best things about that is that when I received the scholarship. Um I remember receiving it and i I got some mail at one point around Christmas time, and I got a Christmas card for Mark Murphy. Wow, I thanked him, you know, and said something to saying yeah, told him i would yeah. but he sent me a, a christmas card and i was I was floored right, right it was I, I was right. almost in tears just because wow. I was just like wow i this is not happening wow, um so yeah, huge honor for me so
1: now it, it, when you went to to uh to that part to uh Berkeley. California or the area where the jazz school is. Mm-hmm. Why did you go uh, mm-hmm. there? W- what brought you there? Did you just say out of the blue, I'm just going to go to, you looked at the different schools and you mm-hmm. said, I'm just going to go for this school because you like the area and you, is that why you? Good
2: question. Uh, actually, one of my best friends who was my roommate at the time in DC mm-hmm. was doing a job transfer. So I actually took, I was working full time ah. at the, at that point for, the gates millennium scholars program because i worked in higher education for several years okay. so i was one of the i was a project manager within uh, a leadership developments program that they had so i took my vacation went out there and i was like oh i'm, <laughs> I'm digging this this is this is kind of nice and and i had already been thinking about right. educational programs to get back into school right. so i did my research oh. and before i even went out i you know i was like well let me check it out you know because i was like The thought of moving and trying something new um, is appealing. Mm. Um, And and I'm a firm believer in stepping out on faith. Oh. Um, So, and and I've done that over the years mm-hmm. and I think with what we do it's mandatory Yes, to do what you do and <laughs> I think to be successful at this and really get to that next place you have to step out on faith within this career so I was like you know let me try this out and so I called around the Bay Area and a lot of them kept talking about the jazz school for vocalists I was like ah. okay so that led me to speaking to Lori and, and speaking to Susan when I went out there I, I met with both of them and they really sold me on the program so mm-hmm. when uh, my roommate moved I was like you know I was like I'll go you know I go I got into the school I'll make it work and and it really and I did you know and um once again it was really that stepping out on faith moment um and you know I'm so so grateful that I did that for myself I think at the moment when I first went out there I was looking at myself like a fool (laughs) because I was like I ain't got no job I'm broke what's going on but uh (laughs) (laughs) right, right but you know I was I was living in like South Bay area not far from Stanford so I was on like a shuttle and two trains to get over to Berkeley every day like an hour and a half almost two hours you know to get Mm -hmm. to school Mm -hmm. but it was all for naught I mean it really was you know one of the most um, influential parts of my life musically I I, I tell a lot of my friends that being out there and being a part of the jazz school really saved my life musically because I feel like if I had not gone at that point Mm -hmm. I probably would not be singing right now I probably would have left this alone really yeah I definitely think so I would have because I was having a really bad time with it in DC and the per se community (laughs) and what that may mean and a lot of people <laughs> not coming through. Well, yeah, you know, hey, you know, oh, and people, yeah. you know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. a really nice guy, and I, I try to take people at their word. So a lot of people, once again, with the industry, promise a lot, say a yeah, lot. You yep, know, if this yep. comes out, let's do this. And nobody was coming through. People right. were booking the same people. Right. They're looking over you, and no matter how much talent you have, it's, it was very clickish. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm getting lost in the shuffle. And so maybe at that point I was like, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I need to, you know, maybe go to grad school, do something else, get deeper into the higher education realm, Mm -hmm. you know, help students with education and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. So when I went to the Bay, like I said, that was stepping out on faith. That was God to me saying, this is for you. You know, as long as you do meet me halfway, I'm going to meet you the other halfway. So it all, it really, really worked out. So that's why I said the Bay Area has such a special place in my heart and and always will um, because it really gave me a lot.
1: Wow. Well, you know, Willard Dyson, uh, uh, Michael's drummer, uh, he's out of Oakland. He's ah. there. Um, is Jazz okay. Sawyer? Was Jazz Sawyer? Did you jazz, get Jazz? Yes. Yeah, Jazz yes, is yes, on yes. all of our records. Yes. So, oh, uh, So, yes. yeah, he plays I love me with, some Jazz. jazz I, I love Jazz. A lot <laughs> with, um,
2: jazz played a lot with uh, one of the guys, a uh, really good friend of mine, uh, Matt Clark, who's an yeah. amazing pianist. He's mm-hmm. originally from New York. Um, um, he plays with Matt. Sometimes out in the Bay Area, and that's how I initially came into contact with Jazz. Him playing with Matt, and Matt actually wrote, co-wrote, about three of the originals on my new album coming out. So okay. Matt's awesome. So that's how I met Jazz. Wow,
1: well, uh-huh. yeah, because Jazz is on all of our CDs, mm. and whenever he's in New York, we try to schedule making a record around I him. You that's know, right. he's oh, I love him. I've known Jazz forever, but uh wow. Now you you have a bachelor's degree in mm-hmm. English as well. So now, yes. do you plan on? Using do you write your own songs as well? Sure. Do you do? Do you have? Um...
2: Um, I'm getting better with writing. I will say definitely lyrics. Definitely, okay. my first album, without a doubt, um, we wrote most of that. I went the old like uh, new school production. Get tracks the first time around. Uh-huh. Got a lot of tracks from different producers, and we wrote around it. Did the melodies and that, and I did the vocal arrangements and things like that. Um, this second album, this one coming out now, is definitely within the jazz realm. So live instrumentation. Um, a lot of the the lyrics that are original I wrote those Um, so I'm getting better with it what I need to what I'm trying to do now is get better with actually writing when it comes to the instrumentation side of really getting to the core of you know, knocking out the chord changes and actually writing right, the right, entire right, exactly, song in exactly. addition to just lyrics and melody. Right. Um, you know, stop being lazy. Right. And, and really get <laughs> to the nuts and bolts of actually writing the entire song. So with this piece, you know, with this new album, you know, I was able to really work with some great musicians so who I was able to collaborate with, you know, to put it all together. But that's one of my ongoing goals that I try to work on getting better with the writing process. But lyrically, yes, I definitely dig into that in two seconds and try to get, become better as a lyricist to ha- So to make sure that I always have something to say in that, um, it's reflective of who I am as a person right. and that people get it. I think a lot right. of times people write stuff nowadays in the music world and I'm like, what are you talking about? Right, that makes right. absolutely no sense. It, that's right. not deep. Right, right. Well, you know, I had
1: um I a friend of mine, Chris Osborne, a great great painter. She paints all these beautiful uh, uh portraits of of uh, people like um Jimi Hendrix mm. and uh, Billie Holiday and uh, and anyway, she was, uh, she and I, when she worked at Tower Records, and I worked at Tower Records a oh. trillion years ago, Tower she Records was really good friends season. with Abby Lincoln and oh, I had man. the opportunity oh. to go to a couple of Abby's birthday parties oh, wow! and one of the things that I had had a chance to ask, because she's like who I want to be when I grow up uh, one, uh, one of the things I had a chance to ask Abby was about her lyrics because mm. I always felt that she wrote these very uh, inside personal yes. lyrics that um she really connected to but I could connect to as yes. well and she said to me something that I always hold with me now uh and thinking in especially in choosing songs going okay. forward and that is um she said you you want to write as you were saying mm-hmm. write about what you know at the time she said if you if you're if I'm 78 years old I don't want to be writing about, I'm going to go get me some good stuff. <laughs> she said it just doesn't, you know, and I, I, that really held true for me. You know, I mean, unless you're in your 80s and you right. can go get good exactly. stuff. But she, you know, and... and I realized that sometimes singers will be singing songs about getting it good. And they're like 90 years old. Right. And so it is, there is a, a a contrast that doesn't kind of align itself properly. And I thought that was really interesting. So I use that as well when it goes, when when I think about writing Mm. tunes. Um, Now you had mentioned, first of all, I wanted to get to
2: that, for that story that, 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 that just made my day. I love it. That's ironic that you mentioned that because actually one of the tunes, and I, I'm not trying to plug it, but one of the tunes on the album actually is, is an Abbey Lincoln tune. Okay, well, we're going to get yeah, to that because so, we're going yeah, to so get so to it because I'm going to ask you about you that. that yeah. uh,
1: but before we do, you did a debut CD uh, sure. called Anticipation, which mm-hmm. was released in 2007, and yes. you have some really wonderful you. Uh, you know, standard songs and sure. contemporary songs on that, and that was your debut. Now, that debut meaning you were coming from that, Uh, Kind of soul music Mm -hmm. to uh, this kind of curve into Mm -hmm. the jazz. Sure. Um, Why, what was, what did that CD represent for you Mm. in terms of that transition? Sure. You know, when you were.
2: Um, That album for me, honestly, was to prove to myself that I could do it on my own. Yes. Um, I was working a full time job. I was on the road about 75, 80% of the time working as a recruitment officer. Um, you know, helping once again, students of color get into college. Mm -hmm. And that was, and that's still a very important part of my life. But that, so when I was feeling that need, the music was getting left behind. And I said, you know, I need to do this for myself. I need to stop hoping and wishing that a record label was going to come and knock on my door and say, Jewel, you're wonderful. And Mm -hmm, let me give you mm -hmm, a record deal and mm -hmm. give you all this money. That was not about to happen. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So, Um, I said I need to do this for myself so I started doing the research you know found a a great studio right out right in uh, Alexandria Virginia Mm -hmm. Um, met with the guys there and the guy who runs that times is a great guy he really worked with me and, and kind of Took helped me through the process and really gave me a lot of time and mm-hmm. I wasn't stressed over a lot of stuff so I would come off the road hit the studio late at night do some songs I'd write in my hotel rooms mm-hmm. I'd write in my event table sometimes mm-hmm. and just have it ready so when I came back I was ready to go Okay. Um, and so when I got through that it was just uh, you know it was proven like okay I can do this myself I learned a lot through the process mm-hmm. you know I had a great songwriting partner so we really pulled that together and for me that was it it was just to, to get the music out there have something to say at that time um that project was kind of a story kind of telling you know from a relationship from the beginning to the end it kind Mm -hmm. of follows that trajectory um the way I sequenced the songs Mm -hmm. but also that was also that album is really chill it's a real kind of groove chill orient type of album and I did that on purpose because for me working day in and day out, especially in D.C., traffic, Mm -hmm. driving. Yes. (laughs) All I kept thinking about you know, that people need something to listen to either on their way home or Mm -hmm. once they get home and they start de-stressing and relaxing they get you know their wine or whatever they need to to help them get into that place and they put this album on Mm -hmm. and they can listen to it from beginning to end Mm -hmm. and just vibe out close their eyes and vibe out and that was a major point of that because that was my life at that time i needed something that was just gonna people could just chill to they got it um one of the i'll say one of the um things that always meant a lot to me was that people would always contact me and say we listen to it with my wife or my husband things yeah. like that mm-hmm. and this this song means this to me that meant a lot to me because I was like ah they get it yeah, yeah. they got it without yeah. me having to say anything yeah. they got it yeah. because that that was the point of it um so that was a twofold point of just like I said speaking from where my life was at that point also just proving that I could do it on my
1: own yeah and it's a good feeling when you have a theme and you have a concept uh, about a project and you implement that and then People actually get mm-hmm. that whole stream of mm-hmm. consciousness that you have on that. That's really a great feeling. Very much now, so. we, we you had mentioned earlier about this new album, mm-hmm. this new CD. Sure. I call things albums. There's no such thing as albums I'm with anymore. You. Well, they actually yeah. are. You can actually yeah, press well, them well, now. But I could,
2: but, yeah, I'll still say albums, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all <so>, right. <laughs> so, yeah, right now, what
1: on. are you working on? With the CD that you are, is it completed or are you. Uh, I'm
2: pretty much there. I've wrapped up. I did a couple of days of just some vocal overdubs just to kind of tweak a couple of things that I, I wanted to tweak vocally. Um but the bulk of it was done in the fall. Uh the rhythm section came in. We had, you know, percussionist and horn player. Everybody came in. So we knocked that out in the fall. So um everything in the studio from a recording standpoint is done. So mm-hmm. at this point I'm in post production so I'm in the mixing phase of now. Mm-hmm. So we're shooting for early summer release. This this release date is has has moved uh-huh. quite a bit but the beauty of it is that i can move it because i'm in charge of it so, right okay so i'm gonna yeah, ask you are you producing mm, it are I am. you well, like well yeah. I, I it's i mean it's i own my own company so i put the first project out through my own company and so same thing with this um i almost put it out through an independent label um but that didn't work out um but so i was like you know i'll put it on my own my own label that's fine and so I you know dictate when it'll come out, but you know Onaje Allen Gums did produce the project. Oh, okay, um, so amazing. He produced it. He produced yes. it. Okay, um, amazing arrangements, mm-hmm. just amazing arrangements, and you know he plays on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I have Vince, Vince Hector on drums and uh, Gregory M. Um, Jones on bass and uh, Gary Fitz on mm-hmm. um, percussion, mm-hmm. Roger um, Byums on horns. Sean Kenner Great guitarist Who I've been friends with For several years Mm -hmm. Who also arranged um, A few of the tunes And actually we wrote The title track Was one of his Instrumentals that we Kind of put all together Which was a last minute Addition um, so I have some great players on it. So um, I'm so excited to get it out there. I'm just trying to, you know, do this last little bit of, you know, the beauty of right. mixing and getting everything together well, and then yeah. mastering and in the midst of all the business and yeah. marketing and PR mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. radio and all that. So um, I really wanted to take my time with this mm-hmm. um, just so that I could do it different from when I did the first project clearly I've learned a lot from you know since then mm-hmm. and really want to take the time to do this the right way I didn't excuse my people but want to half-ass this yeah no hey. you know if I'm gonna put the money into it it's <laughs> yeah. coming in my pocket yours, you know right? you know I have a <laughs> uh, as I call her I have a great momager who is about business she handles business so right. we're very clear about timelines Deadline, right. working to that, mm-hmm. um you know. Okay, this is done. So with my publicist, okay, cool. This needs to be done this far out. Right. Let's do that. And so, and I think a lot of people, unfortunately, don't look at it like that when it comes to their albums. They put stuff out just haphazardly, and it's it. Everybody does their own thing, mm-hmm. but for me, I'm about organization so that I can give myself the best chance right, possible. Right. I got it um, to put it out there. So, um so I'm excited. So I'm looking at an early summer release in June. Um, and it's so it's it's going well. Oh it's well, I I wish you a lot
1: of luck on it. I know it's going to be great, and I can't <laughs> wait to you, hear man. it. Now, are you ready to walk down into the basement with me?
2: I am ready to go. All right, I got my walking shoes on.
1: now. Okay, way. you got your walking shoes yes, on. Ma'am. And remember, you got to have that flashlight that doesn't quite work. Once you you know, like you get it on there, and then all of a sudden it's like now it's not. <laughs> I don't know why they even bother if you, if I, And I think I mentioned this in another show If you go and you switch Do the light switch and the light bulb blows mm-hmm. That's to me One of the, it's a sign It's a sign saying just sign. don't do this Just yes. don't do it yes. But uh, you know, you wouldn't have a movie Then I guess if you didn't <laughs> Okay so now, first question, tell us about Someone that you've worked with mm-hmm. Who is a little frightening to you sure. But in a good way um
2: I had to think about this question. I I'm kind of a well, I'm always about being, you know, not a perfectionist, but I, I can't get a b- little bit of nervous when working with people who I do respect. Um but I would definitely say that um the individual I can think of who scared me in a good way was um Keith Kilgo, the drummer for the Blackbirds. And when I first started working with them in the DC area, um Keith was one who hired me and who I first met. Okay. And I didn't know what the heck I was going to audition for. I didn't know who, what was going on. I just, the rap music, I was like, this sounds familiar. Okay. But at the point, he's just an intense kind of personality to mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. and, you know, early 20s. And I'm like, what is going on? Okay. And he's kind of looking at me and like, okay, that sounds good. You know, not smiling. And okay, we'll try this. Let's do that. And I'm just trying to figure it out, trying to make sure that, <laughs> you know, I'm singing some harmonies that are within the changes and they make sense. (laughs) Uh, I don't sound crazy. He's like, you know, so he doesn't tell me to get out. But um, was
1: this in your jazz part or in the, you know, this uh, this is still
2: in the midst of after i in the midst of me putting out my first album. You know, I mm -hmm. still was and this was actually that the, the, the process with the Blackbirds actually was one of the things that helped me get, get to that point of like wanting to do more jazz because I was such a part of their sound, of that fusion sound. Yes. They're based out of jazz okay. and despite the funk and all that, yeah. I mean Donald Byrne, the Blackbird is, you know, that's yeah. a core part of what they do and so singing background for them, that's a key part of what right. you're doing that's and true. so it helped me learn to listen in a different way mm-hmm. and so that started me on that path of like, you know what I need to try this more because this this fits more with where I want to go because it gives me more freedom okay. the way I see it Um, but Keith was was an intense character for me during rehearsals and I'm like that's not what I sung and they're like well you know you need to find another note then bro you know I'm like okay Um, you know traveling and things like that so I would just kind of usually I was pretty quiet unless I had to sing I would talk to the other background singer Juanita who was a veteran Mm -hmm. um, who was amazing to work with um, who kind of she gave me a little nudge okay Jewel you know but Keith was great simply because after we would do a show He'd come out of nowhere and be like, Jewel, you sounded really good, man. Wow. That was great. Yeah, yeah. You know, man, yeah. you're right on track. You right, know." And right. we had talked about working together on other projects. Um, but, you know, that working with him, like I said, just kind of made me take a step back and pay attention more. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think you get to that point where, especially I think groups or whoever you work with, I think who's, who have established something mm-hmm. and that people respect the musicianship of the music that they've created, mm-hmm. you know, it's not about you you know it's so yeah, much bigger yeah. than you so Absolutely. it's kind of like Absolutely. it's like you want to be a part of the bigger picture so mm-hmm. i'm like okay i'm a vocalist within the blackbird mm-hmm. sound right, and the group. Right. so it's like what do i need to do as a young vocalist to get that sound to be successful within that um so i need to sh- shut my mouth right. <laughs> and i need to listen to what they're saying right, right and i need to listen to what's going on and so that you know if i'm I'm meshing so i'm just kind of part of the overall wall of sound mm-hmm. and so you know and when i think that was a part of probably, I think why he, you know, kept me around and mm-hmm. dug me because, you know, I'm really easy to work with, but I know my stuff and I'm a professional, yeah. you know? And yeah. I think through that process, I, I learned to be that much better at it. Um, mm. So Keith, yeah, definitely did me a favor, you know, and <laughs> he was never nasty <laughs> me at all. It just, you know, some people have just an intensity. to Yes. Them and it makes and how <laughs> they, yeah. So you're just like, okay, what's going on? So, um, yeah, so definitely, definitely Keith, I would definitely say, uh, in a, uh, scare me enough. So right. that's so that I was paying attention to what was going on to make sure that I was doing the best I could.
1: Right, and mm-hmm. it it brought you to that awareness of of what uh, the function is as uh, all the different functions that mm-hmm. a vocalist can have yes. I mean we are musicians yes. and if we think that way then we understand we are the side musicians exactly. that are part of it even though it's the vocal thing and sure. that's actually that's great that's a great story it, you
2: know, know and, and I remember that because you know out of Chicago being from Chicago originally Blackbirds were huge in Chicago Oh yeah. all no, my know, family
0: walking in read
2: exactly exactly <laughs> and I remember that song because when he told me well I want you to do the ad-libs at the end I was like I was like oh okay you know and I remember coming and telling my mother I had to. This gig and she was like who and i was like the blackbird she was like the blackbird That's i the said yeah yeah she was like what you know about that you know and so when we would do gigs people would look at me and be like you're a little young yeah right you and i'm like look i can do the job you know but you know i remember doing this one of those moments of being scared i remember doing sound check and we um doing one of the songs that Juanita and I ended up going up to the front and actually singing as a duet. Yes. I was terrified. I remember that, you know, and Keith was looking at me and we were singing it through and he was like, man, what you doing? And I was like, huh? He said, you need to end the song. And I'm like, what do you mean? You need to end the song. What are you doing? And I was like, on, right. You know, and so I was looking at his face and I was like, oh man. So, just a part of that like you were saying yes. so.
1: <laughs> wow my god oh yeah <laughs> i could tell you some stories around that one but i'll wait till i do my i have my own self on my own show <laughs> okay second question sure. what is the scariest work in mm-hmm. any medium that's like either painting photograph book movie television show radio broadcast mm-hmm. uh that you've encountered
2: i'm really you know Oh, gosh I'm so I was embarrassed I was like I'm gonna be embarrassed to tell this I really no, am but no, no. I mean not said so I'm not gonna share it but <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: right. I was
2: embarrassed to, to share this and only a few people know this but the scariest thing that I've encountered over the years and this is I was a child and I'm a big and this is ironic because I am a I'm a horror person. I love going to see horror movies. Me
1: too. Um, oh, I you know, love
2: it. <laughs> and most of them are pretty crappy these days, but I love a good horror story. Yeah. But the the one movie and this to this day scared the living daylights out of me mm-hmm. was Blackula. And Blackula. Blackula. <laughs> Blackula. Blackula. <laughs>
1: and, I'm so name <laughs> and I was Maybe the name of it
2: could be And I was I was, I was like I was what? so embarrassed to t- I was like but I remember seeing that as a kid and I was like okay Blackie let me see this I had nightmares for like two weeks what, what was it about that made- I don't know and I've had like I've been trying to. I've always tried to figure like what the heck I, st- I can't watch it now it still has like really? it, it just has a certain effect I don't know if it's the fact that at that age that I saw like this 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 draft, you know, this vampire who looked like me, right? who right, had the skin right. color as me. Oh, interesting. And I think that may have been it because it was something that, you know, I could put my finger on as a little more tangible. Cause I'd right. like somebody could be across the hall from me. Like right. this is just, you know, and to see right. this brother as a vampire, um, that because only scary. white
1: people are vampires that I know of. Uh, right. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, okay, you
2: know, that's scary. But okay. Except Blade. Right. But that's different. From... <laughs> right. You know, he's trying to defend <laughs> Right, us. right. You know, he,
1: he, he's he's, he's not... fighting the... Right. But um, that's interesting that you say that, that point that you make, uh, that it was someone that you could truly identify with. Yes. because so I think that's what really scares us uh, when yes. we are viewing or reading or seeing anything visually that brings that... that uh, that psyche fear up yes. uh, is the way we identify to Very it much uh, so. with it and you know uh, and
2: I think that's I was been trying to figure that out and I was like why is that movie but it I mean literally two weeks I had nightmares and I don't watch it now it's just I don't wow. and there are friends who watch you know they don't want to watch um you know the shining and all these other some other movies and I'm just like I love that kind of stuff right but you know but the I think what you can the psyche, I agree. Like recently, this is not a horror movie. I saw the movie, I think, Olympus Falling or something with, uh, um, um, I think, what it deals with the president being held hostage. Oh, I think it came out yes, this past yes, spring. Yes. I watched it on Netflix. Right. And that was scary to me because of the simple fact of living in D.C., I'm watching this plane, uh, you know, just start shooting up, right, you know, the right, National Mall right. and shooting at the White House. And that scared Jesus out of me for the simple fact <laughs> that, that was very real. Yes. And I don't like movies like that because I feel like that gives people ideas. And I'm just like, that's ah. too close to home because you'll look up tomorrow, people are crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, and <laughs> well, yeah. you know,
2: you'll look up and you'll see something like that yeah. because. You never know what's going to happen these days. There's always something. And that scared me for the same di- completely different reason. Right. But for the similar fact of just like, you know, living in D.C. for years, going past that almost daily. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, you know, that could very much well, yeah. happen. Like, wow. that was just crazy seeing those people get. I mean, this plane's flying over. They've got into the airspace, you know, shooting up stuff. I'm just like, Wow. Oh. That, oh. so that yeah <laughs>
1: Blackula but Blackula I, is I it. think I'm going to like go rent that on Netflix here so I can see it so I can watch it really closely <laughs> I'm like you are, you are a crazy
2: boy
1: <laughs> how old were you when you saw that
2: oh man I had to be about maybe seven or eight okay. I think yeah I was, seven or eight young. those are real Yeah.
1: that's that time when you know you're supposedly at seven you begin to understand the difference between good and bad and right mm. and wrong so that's just informative wow okay so next question mm-hmm. and last question what is the scariest thing that has ever happened to you while performing live
2: good question um, I have a couple one particularly one but like a side off but the f- main thing that has uh, scared me especially as a singer and I think you've talked about this before on other uh, episodes with people especially for a singer <laughs> is based around lyrics oh, yeah. and when you don't remember lyrics. I think I remember you talking when you were talking the first episode with Michael Franks and talking about, I think a time he may have forgotten the lyrics and you were yes. kind of, you know, saying them. So he like, Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. same <laughs> thing with me. You know, I had no background. So you're telling me anything. I was, it was New York. It was last fall. And I had I had not performed in New York. In several years, mm-hmm. and I was at Billy's Black up in Harlem. Um, great band. I'm Najee Allen Gums on, on piano. I had uh Dwayne Broadnax Cook yeah, on yeah. on, yeah, drum, yeah, on yeah. Uh, drums, and I had um Marcus McLaren on bass. Mm-hmm. Um, great band. And get to the first song, and I'm like, okay, I was start with Joe Jackson stepping out, yeah, real yeah, cool yeah. swinging version yeah. of it. I was like, all right, cool, man. They started playing that, I was all caught up in it. That first part kicked in for my first. I didn't remember anything. Aww. I mean, I don't remember any words for the whole song. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. And they're, oh, they're yeah. playing it. And the people are kind of looking at me. And I'm like, oh, yep. my gosh. And I'm, I can be very silly in moments like that. <laughs> so I was trying not to just fall out laughing right. at myself. Because I've gotten to a place, thankfully, where I don't beat myself up when it comes to that. Because that's, that's life. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let me do some scatting here. Let me throw some stuff in there and mm-hmm. just act like it's part of the, the song. Right. And I threw some stuff. Sp- but I didn't know the words, and I was like, "Lord, please let some words come in my brain yeah. at some point." So they're gonna be like, "That's not what Joe Jackson did, right there?" That was some words in that song, and they go, t- "You know," and I'm like, "This is my introduction back right. to New York." Oh, yeah, I was like, know. "Oh, this," oh. I was like, "Okay, this sucks." But um, and in the
1: blank, when you go blank, it is the strangest thing yes. because there is you can't imagine, like you you can't even like comprehend or think about what the song's about.
2: Right.
1: To even like make up words. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. you know, this song is about, <laughs> you know, being in the circus or this song's about, you know, if you could at least get some idea of exactly. what the song's about, you can at least make up lyrics. Exactly. But you just go blank.
2: It's right. Because you know, certain things, even if you, worked on lyrics that you know that may be a little difficult to remember like a lot of times I'll do Johnny Mitchell's Black Crow Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of words to that song you don't use
1: like a a sheet I don't I use music stands you know
2: I'll use a music stand you know and I'll have usually you know charts and stuff up there, but very rarely do I look at it. Usually I'm okay. Right. Um, but with like that song, I have references that will keep me back to where oh, I need to be like on okay. that verse. I'm like, okay, I know it's this. Okay. That'll help me remember it. That okay. day, I yeah. think I was just so nervous at that right. point. When they started playing, I was like, oh, wow. And yeah. one of my friends in the he was like, Yeah, Jewel, we didn't know I was like, Yeah, I was I said I was in the moment. I yeah. was in the moment. You know, uh. I played that all <laughs> <laughs> Luckily I remember the lyrics, I think like Midway through the song and we right, you know, right. we took it on but <laughs> I was I was so I was that that terrified me because I was like I'd practiced so much. Uh-huh. I was like, Man, people are gonna be like, Who is this dude? Right. They said so probably here. that right. look
1: on your face, they said, Oh he done he uh he don't crack. Okay. <laughs> he done come back here to New York, but he he on his way down. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, you know, they always have some exactly. reason behind why something's happening. they're like And it's oh, never a good thing. It's, it's never a good you know, thing. it's never and like Oh, he's reached a stage of enlightenment now. So he's transcended all the time. No, it's always, oh, yeah, he
2: on drugs. <laughs> that poor brother, he young, too. Uh-huh. Oh, you know, up. he
1: young. He knew it was going to happen. You knew what was going to happen. It was only a matter of time. That's what we starts saying. You know, that kind
2: of stuff. You know I could have been like some singers who I've, I've recently saw, which I will say I have an issue with, uh-huh. who, you know, have lyrics right in their hands, holding it, oh, well, reading just... from it. <laughs> Or they pull it up on their phone and it's like, you just see a a, a bright light on their face (laughs) as they're reading the lyrics because they don't know the lyrics, which I have a huge issue with. Like, I'm just like, are you serious? Like, Ah. you've got to be kidding me. Like, talk about a complete lack of professionalism. Like, this is your, if, I don't care if it's a hobby, whatever, you need to know the material. Even if you, I've seen people have words up on, on you know, on the stand. Yeah, that's but And you. you play it off. And that's cool. I've had, you know, I've done mm. that before, definitely. Mm. I'm like, but you play it off. But right. I mean, to literally stand there with a phone in your face, oh, that's reading really, the lyrics. Well, yeah. Not to mention, too, like, an Isley Brothers song or something. I'm oh, like, well, <laughs> everybody knows that. Frankie Beverly makes, everybody knows that. What are you doing? Well, I think so, a lot. <laughs> I think a lot of that is, you know,
1: it's it goes back to what we had talked about uh, at the Jazz Connect, mm. uh, which is the performance aspect of Mm -hmm. things. Um, You know, I I was for the longest time really apprehensive about having... a music stand in front when, sure. I, when I'm when i singing. But, um, you know, I think of musicians, and I think a lot of them, they have charts in front of them right. so that they can reference it. Mm-hmm. And you don't always, like, you're not looking at it like you have a phone right in front of your right. face, but it's always nice to have something there to connect you in case exactly. you... And a lot of times on my stand, I have the song list. So right. people, I know exactly. what the next song is Definitely. and blah, 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 you know. Um, but I noticed that, too, uh, with a lot of the young people that were are learning to sing. Mm-hmm. And now that they have these uh portable devices mm-hmm. they just pull pull it up right. and I did a concert um a show in Indonesia and one of the um performers, Doctor uh Doctor Tompi, mm. uh my friend Debbie who's the professor, so it's okay. a doctor and the professor, and but he had a real he has a, a he had a stand that he could put his iPad on. Yes you know yes, and he and had I've to seen l- more musicians uh, do that now yeah, to kind and of carry
2: the music with them. Oh yeah.
1: and it was like so you know classy in a way yes. cuz the lyrics were there yes. but we did we we did some um improvisation and he nice. called superstition
2: Oh okay uh,
1: which I kind of know and okay. I don't know but it was so small Okay oh. <laughs> That, I'm like you know I'm singing you know doing my part and then I'm like you, sweating, you know putting my face so close up to the thing and squinting <laughs> to see what the next line is and I'm pulling back and you know and it was it was just kind of and I at one point I just started making up the lyrics because you know they're Indonesian they didn't know what, like, oh, they didn't that know that what
2: the hell was I singing right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they don't know if I was singing English correct or not so it was uh, but it was definitely the lyrics are definitely a thing I think but in your case. At a, uh, an important event. Right. That's that's always, yes.
0: I think, can be it's really been, terrifying.
2: It, it, it goes to really just the heart of who you are as an artist. Because, I mean, I think, you know, at the core of it, I mean, we have our moments, clearly not going to remember everything. And even stuff you've written sometimes, I have the hardest time remembering. I'm mm-hmm. like, what the heck did I What did I write? <laughs> right. Why did I phrase it that way? Right. But at the end of the day, I deal, I deal, um, the ideal situation is that you know, you've done this so many times going over this music so much and it means something to you so yes. that you've internalized yes. it. Telling so story. to me, and when you've it exactly, you can be a storyteller and really get into the heart of the song so mm-hmm. that you're successful telling the story to the audience that's so that, it, that you're able to touch them. It means something to them because it means something to you. Yeah. And I think that's where, when I talk about people who pull up the words, you know, on the phone, that's the problem. I'm yeah. like, that means nothing to you. You're right. doing nothing for me. I don't even care if you have a nice voice. You're doing nothing for right, me because right. you're not stopping and talking to me. Like we were, I was recently talking about Carmen Cray. She told that story. Mm-hmm. She looked at you like, hey, yeah. I live this. <laughs> even if she hadn't, it was like, I live this. Right. You, hey, Kat, you better get it. Right. You know, but that's the, And that's the beauty of it. Yes. As as a, as a vocalist or really anything, That's you have to understand it. And I think more instrumentalists are starting to understand some don't really pay attention to lyrics right, and some right, do yeah, and yeah. the ones who do to me have a different understanding because they understand then why you're playing a certain way because they're able to phrase it a certain way oh as a vocalist if we're backing a vocalist ah we're going to play it this way because he's saying this right. she's talking about this so I need to play it this way right, to right. give it this inflection mm-hmm. to to mean a little bit more to the audience and mm-hmm. so lyrics are so important I, oh, you know yeah. and I, and it's a core part of what we do and so i mean every even if you mess them up you know here and there and you get it but the idea the ideal situation is always to just get them so you're like ah so it makes sense and you're respecting the music oh you're absolutely the music.
1: and the effort. That the lyricist and, and the writer made to it's, put the song together. Exactly. So anyway, this has just been beautiful. Oh, this has been so, so beautiful. Much. Thank you, Jiwa. Thank you so much. So it's much been for a pleasure. doing the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. It yeah, really is. and um, I have to uh, get into Washington D.C. That's where you are now. Yeah, I'm no. in Raleigh, North
2: Carolina. Raleigh. Oh, that's actually. right. See, yeah, I, I never know where you are. Sp- I'm always I'm, saying I'm, that. I'm on the move. I'm just, I'm, I'm a nomad. I just, you know, Veronica, I just, I'll tell you where I am, and hopefully I'll pass across <laughs> at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it would be nice to come and hear you play, or maybe sit and play together or do Definitely. something. I would like to, very much oh, like to do I, that. I would just, love it. Absolutely. So much. Love it. Yeah. Anyway, but thank you so much, and that wraps it up for Tales from the Jazz
2: Side. Thank you so much.
0: The jazz side is always there, waiting for us to enter and waiting to enter us. So, until next time, unplug your ear holes, for you never know what worlds may be waiting for you.